hello and welcome back to the 100th episode of Podcast Assemble, the show where you come for your rambling, geeky download. My name's Tommy, and I am delighted, as always, to be joined by my friend and co-host from across the pond. It's our resident dream infiltrator of the pod, DL! Dream infiltrator, extractor, and centarian. Centarian? All of the above. Is centarian 100? DL, how have you been for the last 100 episodes? Well, a lot of prep... And a lot of mistakes along the way. <laughs> Welcome to episode 100. Have a listen. <coughs> oh, wrong hole. You good? Yeah, I'm wrong hole. So. <coughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm good. No, I'm not. <coughs> <coughs> All right. I uh, I drink some water. Maybe and drink my some more. Is like shit. <laughs> drink some more. I don't think it's going to help. I think it's like stuck. This that, that little bit where you tried to talk that is primo for the 100th episode, by the way. I think I'm Did be- I water? I think you're better now. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. Ah! Mm-hmm. Ah! Okay, bud. Christopher Nolan movie. Are you ready? I wanna, I wanna, I wanna touch you. You wanna touch me too. Next summer, he'll discover statues, <laughs> walk in the fog on top of a train, and dress like a Nazi while he finds what looks like a sundial. It's a show, isn't it? Runs like a horse. Dude, you shouldn't be doing that. It's real bad for you. We all know. Mm hmm. Could you imagine running at a train with a horse? That's a bold strategy. At a train. I remember that bit. It's as high as I can go. (laughs) (laughs) Baritone at best. Go on, show me your highest. Sounded strained though. Sounded like you really had to try for it. That was a falsetto, bro. You got it. Yeah, baby, you got it. I think. Tell me something tall. Are you tired of trying to find a place? Do you need more square feet for cheaper rent? <laughs> yeah, I need that. Doubles into a Nazi plot to uncover one of the greatest religious mysteries of all time. The location of the Ark, as described in the good old testy. Ark of <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. My favorite testy. Sorry, the Ark of the Covenant. Not the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. Because that could be confused with Noah's Ark, which is also an Old Testament. <laughs> Multiple Old Testy so many greatest hits. And it's not really a theory. I think a lot... It, it is a theory. It's more of a rewrite. But a lot of people posited... Uh, after Phantom of the Menace, Phantom of the Menace, Phantom of the Menace, <laughs> Phantom Menaces Menace. of Phantoms. It's like a mix of Phantom of the Opera yeah, and what Star is it? Wars. Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace uh, came out, and you know, it's just a dude who comes out from the chandelier wearing the red face yes. paint of Darth uh, <laughs> Maul. Uh, the Phantom <laughs> of the Menace has arrived. <laughs> Double lightsaber. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh my god, where was I? Alright, ready? 
Yes, sir. <coughs> All right. Hey, man. That's definitely going to go in the, uh, in, in the 100th episode. <laughs> Sorry, that was racist. Oh my god! <laughs> At least I said sorry. <laughs> At least I apologize. Right? Uh, why do we sing? Thank you to yeah. Why do we sing? Thank you to podcasting legend and friend of the show, Mister Matthew Bliss, for that smash cut of a hundred episodes of absolute nonsense. And thank you everyone for sticking with it. He has also supplied the time codes for the episode. So if you want to jump around, feel free. You can jump to our. Main topic, I'll listen to his chat rubbish about 100 episodes. Run like a horse, you know? Run <laughs> right at that train. Who knew drinking water was so dangerous? <laughs> Not I, said the fly. Apparently you didn't. And if you are new to the pod, why not give us a five-star review? You can do it in-app. You can do it right now. It's super easy. Just just hit that five stars. Yes, this isn't Best Buy, but there is a geek squad, and you got friends that are geeks as well. If they like this stuff, send it through. Yeah. Pass the pod, guys. Pass the pod. Well, look. And welcome, welcome everyone who has joined us from our competition has been running on our socials. Thank you all for everyone for joining from Instagram. Um, we will be announcing the winner of the competition just a little later on in the pod. So stick around. We'd love to have you around. DL, what have you been up to, buddy? What's been happening? Oh man, whatever. Winter has come. Winter has come. Yeah. And for us, it's just rain. It's <laughs> not the White Walkers. I'm from the UK. It's like, this is normal to me. I can't wear my like, you know, uh, suede shoes anymore. Oh mate, that's, you know, it's that's a, such a first world problem for that's, you. It's a big deal. <laughs> I, feel, I feel for you deep down, do. deep in here. You can't drink water and you can't wear suede yeah, I just, you know, just so you know, I just flirted with death oh, wow. right now. Oh, I, wow, just, wow, wow. I had a sip of water. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Anyway, I must have to cut out so much nonsense from these episodes. Yeah, like, all the way dude, through. Honestly, and we only started tracking that stuff like twenty episodes yeah. ago, probably. <laughs> <No>. So, <laughs> if you imagine just, the gold he you, missed, yeah, imagine, well, just imagine how much shit there was. <laughs> yeah. How much absolute nonsense all and, the way like, through. Terrible singing. Um, I mean, um, mostly just singing. Apparently, yeah. I didn't realize how much singing we did. I think we need some new songs though. Mm. Well, you did you did a few different ones in there. You did a bit of Star Is Born. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, that's that the right movie. I'm sure that's the right movie. It's a very sad movie. I've never seen it. Friend of the show, Brett Goodman. I caught him crying on the plane watching that movie. Video evidence. Oh my days. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. It's a pretty sad ending. I have never seen it. But speaking of movies, DL, what have you been up to in our Geeky Sphere this week? We like to talk a little bit about the things we've been doing and what we might recommend. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to double down on my Yellow Jackets reference. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have we burned through season one. I think there's two more episodes left for my rewatch, Gail's first watch. It's fucking good. I'm so excited to watch the new season. You should watch it. Yeah, talk to me. Remind me the premise. I'm I'm really bad at this. Again? Yeah, again. Are you are you are you reverse selling me? Yeah. <laughs> uh maybe team of soccer players going for nationals last time i said it was state they actually made it to nationals they made that they oh didn't quite make it to nationals because the plane crashes uh, lots of you know lord of the flies meets fucking lost meets some kind of you know blair witch project Blair Witch. oh so there are supernatural elements yeah well we don't know but it's implied kind of sneaking um, them in there that's so fun yeah it's in, it's interesting and uh meets like the exorcist meets like fucking so after awesome you said show. this last time it's gone it's gone up it's like top of the list for us but we're watching one thing that i'm going to talk to you about in a minute okay. which is we have to finish this first before we can move on to it and there's three seasons never so stop like, stopping yeah. never stop 
<laughs> another thing I watched this week, but yeah. Wait, which is that? That's the Andy the, Samberg. Lots of I started that as well. I got like halfway through. And I turned three, it off. No, I, I'm down to finish it. Okay, I'm I not. actually find his humor hilarious. Me too. I and, just think it's a bit much when it's a full length movie version. When it's a musical, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> there were some pretty funny parts. The song's not gay. <laughs> <It's> like, that's, <laughs> that's that Macklemore song, right? I'm sure he's Is just it? doing that Macklemore song. I don't you know. Remember, I have no idea. You know, Macklemore's got the song "Same Love." And it's it's literally that all the way through. It's like it's like I'm so down for y'all to be gay, but I'm not gay. It's like that. <laughs> it's that exact song. I didn't know it that. must be a rip of that. I'm sure it is. Yeah, there's, a, there's another. The best one is when he makes a song about Spain, and it's like Fa-la-la. I can't. Like, I don't remember what it is, but it makes fun of their lisp. Oh, in right, Barcelona, right, 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 it's right. really good. Next next episode, I'll come with it. So explain the premise go. of the movie, just because. Oh, sorry, I've never stop stopping. Forgotten. It's like a boy band. It's like a fake what it is lonely island right it's, it's lonely basically... island but what is it it's like a fake what do you call it when it's a fake documentary mockumentary it's a mockumentary mockumentary slash about, movie like yeah a like a boy band that like breaks up one guy goes solo when it falls they're like reunion and there's like it, they have everybody they've got like usher in it Nas, so and they all like people. do these interview pink is saying like every single person and it's like they any made, celebrity you think yeah any, any so i don't know how he like pulled this but he got them all and uh, yeah, they're just. I mean, talking they don't about, do a lot. They just talk. Yeah, they're just talking about like <laughs> the style part. boys and like how they broke up and they're this great thing for music. And then it follows Andy Samberg and his demise and then eventual reunion of the band. I'm pretty sure by the end of it, they're going to all get back together. Yeah, and it's going to be sure. one big show for sure. Surely, for sure. Like it's 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 a little tropey, but I, I kind it's of I kind of enjoy his humor though. Like I, I I specifically do like his humor. And I think so I prefer I their humor when it's all three of them together. And that's kind of ironic because the movie, the point of it is that they're all like broken up. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Well, they, I got to the part where they are about to get back together. I think, ah, yeah, okay. That must do. be pretty far through. And it's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's, you know, it's better than, what's that other movie, Hot Rod? Oh, yeah, that was bad. I don't like that no, one. No, 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 no. Like, and he's progressed a lot since that, but that one's just kind of. It's so dumb. And, but it's growing like up, Napoleon Dynamite. Growing right? up, like all my buddies, a bit yeah, like I think love Napoleon movie. Dynamite for people. All my buddies like, Hot Rod, watch it. And I'm like, no, this is dumb. I watched it, but it, I didn't find it that funny. I think I turned that off as well. Well, look, I've been up to a couple of fun things this week. Uh, you know, I told you when we watched 2001 A Space Odyssey, yes. shout out for our episode on that. It's a weird movie, but I enjoyed it a lot. I had to build some serious brownie points to watch that. And I'm still... I'm still in, I'm still in the still red. In debt. I'm still in debt because it was so weird. And uh, we we sat down and we watched uh, Bridesmaids this week. And I'd never seen Bridesmaids. Mm. I, I feel like that's controversial. Every, everyone I've said it to is like, oh my God, you haven't seen Bridesmaids. And I'm yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't, you know, when I first heard about it, everyone was like, oh, it's like the hangover, but for like, but for women. I was like, oh, okay. I don't really need to see that then. And I watched it and I was like, this is nothing like the hangover. It's not even women. close. Not everyone even says that. Everyone makes that analogy. I had that same pitch. I watched it. I was like, "It's kind of funny. It's it's all right. It's okay. I didn't find. It's not even close to the same level as Hangover. We've and we've, that's not yeah. even like a sexist thing. Go have a watch. Have a girl go watch the Hangover. They will laugh harder at that yeah, movie because yeah. it's objectively funnier. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know this about me. I I'm not into far or like poo humor. That's not for me. And all of it's them like farting on a plane or like diarrhea in a sink and i'm like i don't none of this is funny to me the the, the xanax scene was all right but it's mainly just awkward yeah like there's a lot of awkward humor in that movie it's not really like and it's not even like good office not good awkward like humor. like you know like no. steve carell awkward yeah it's like just you, why are you embarrassing yourself it's <laughs> like stop <laughs> this could that. all be avoided yeah stop doing that i actually the, the best bits for me were when they did like serious or it's like quite touching or like heartwarming yeah. i thought that was great 
I don't really recall it that well, to it's, be honest. It's not, uh, but like know. the like, there's a bit that the partner keeps banging on about, which is like there's a new best friend, and she's like a thousand better, thousand times better than the original best friend, and she does this beautiful speech, and the the original one can't let it go, so she keeps getting the microphone and yeah, saying a bit yeah, more, yeah. and then she says like a thing in Spanish to try. Like that was objectively quite funny, but the way she explained it to me, I thought it was gonna be, <laughs> I thought it was gonna like blow my mind. You know, <laughs> it's not that good. Go on, what else you been up to? Honestly, man, that's all. I didn't have much time this week. I've been just yellow jacketing, never stop stopping, and then our main topic. Well, I'll tell you one yeah. other thing that I watched. What else did you do? I was saying that before we got into yellow jackets, we've got three seasons of this show to watch. Have you seen Ted Lasso? I have not seen it, but I've heard good things except for this most recent season. Okay, well, we're getting tore up. Interesting, because uh, they did that to the last season. They did mm-hmm. that to season two, and then we're watching season two right now, and it's great. Like it, so if you see the first season, it mm-hmm. sets up this great premise. And if you don't know anything about soccer football, who cares? Neither does the main character. <laughs> Literally has no idea. And it's, it's this great premise whereby they bring in this, this uh, American football coach to coach a British soccer team, as I would say, football. And it's a case of they're expecting him to lose. Mm-hmm. Like they're expecting him to fail. That's kind of the point of bringing him there. Yeah. But like he's such a nice person and he's such a heartwarming individual that he just wins everyone over. And they're like, yeah. oh man, we want him to win. We, we want to win now. Yeah. Like, we want to get behind this guy. Yeah. And it's one of those things whereby I don't think I've ever had this watching anything before. I am genuinely surprised every episode that it still gets me in the feels every time. Like, okay. it's funny. So it's that heartwarming. Yeah. Like, he's just such a what is it, nice... Apple or genu- something? Yeah, it's Apple. Yeah. So you can use one of your three-month <laughs> three free uh, things. I literally have one right There's now. so going. many. I got a six-month one. I got some free AirPods from work. Uh, yeah. You know, first of all, problems over here. Yeah. And it was like, you've got six months free. I'm like, that's like... <laughs> What's the point of giving me six months free? I feel like every time I go see a movie, they offer me free. Yeah, it's mad. It's it's mad. But look, it's re- genuinely really like the first series in itself is great. Mm. I like what they're doing in the second season. They're turning one of the characters around into being like a bit of a villain of the piece, but they're mm. doing it really nice and subtly. And uh, I'm really excited to see the third season. Really excited to get there. So got we've it. got, they're only like 20 minute episodes as well. So they're not exactly like going to waste all of your life, but it's it's worth it because you watch one or two and you come away either really heartwarmed or you're like really behind the characters and there's like a subplot where ted's getting divorced <laughs> in the states but it gets you man it's really highly recommend you should totally go away and go away and watch it i it's on my list but again there's so many and apple's just apple i mean apple's kind of in its own little corner isn't it yeah, that's, i never uh, ever what else have they got that's good no they do have a couple things they've got that uh one that's uh where the, you go to work and you forget who you are or whatever oh yeah i want to watch that Apple. so um, that when people swear by that one I they forget everything that severance. happens yeah okay oh severance. severance yeah that's it that's yeah. apple okay all right yeah. no wonder i haven't seen it anyway <laughs> <laughs> exactly because <laughs> that's been on the list for ages as well yeah all right guys well what we do now is we talk a little bit about the things we've heard in our geeky sphere a little bit of what we call news it's not really news is it it's just fun stuff that yeah, we've heard it's fun it's fun stick around though that winner will be announced very very soon dl what have you heard this week well nothing there you know there wasn't all that much for this considering week. last week yeah. was like a bu- everything everything in the world happened i did see something on uh did you see that like meme or it was like a video going around of how infinity war there's apparently a 40 minute scene that has never been released of how thanos gets the power, the power stone power stone yeah 
Are they? That would be so cool. Are they cool. going to release? They have to, surely. Release the Thanos cut, everybody. Yeah, they for, they for sure have to. I don't know if that's news. That might have been out there for a while, that but was, I saw it circulating my my feed. I would love to see that. Would you, yeah. would you watch sure. a 40-minute longer version of that movie? 100%. You would? 100%. It's already a long movie. It's yeah, like three like, hours. What do you like? Lord of the Rings extended edition. <laughs> yeah. Certain funny. movies are worth it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And it's good character building for him as well. I feel yeah. like I kind of like how it started, though. Yeah, like, it, like you know what I mean. Like the just the, the tone set You're of just like lobbed in, just killing Loki like immediately. Spoilers for that movie if anyone's not, but, <laughs> not uh, seen Infinity War. He comes back, it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Different variation. Uh, and, I'm excited to see that. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I hope it comes. I don't know if they'll ever release. Imagine it. Which, they it probably was, will. Imagine if it was bad though. Imagine, I mean, then they wouldn't. Imagine if it ruined the whole then tone they of the wouldn't. movie. But I do think it would ruin like the tone of the start for sure. It would slow it down. Yeah, I don't know, it would be a big action scene because he's just attacking Xandar, right? Oh, I guess we'd have to we'd have to see. Yeah, but I guess maybe it's just cheese. You know, it's just like maybe there's nothing that it adds. I would have liked to have seen more of Thanos on his own, like just battling they, through. They, you know what they could? They could just like add parts and redo it yeah like, people would buy it like you know what i mean if they're like oh it's not good enough let's change it <laughs> um anyway that was one thing i heard i also heard you know move over harry potter apparently twilight's also getting a remake what what so last week we talked about the fact that warner brothers are making yeah. a seven series adaptation of the harry potter books basically a year per season right yes is that what they're doing for what is this i don't Help know i just here. saw the headline and was like yuck I don't, I don't I like threw up a little of, bit in yeah. my mouth <laughs> and then I moved on. And I actually said to my part, I was like, oh, they're doing the same thing they're doing with Harry Potter with Twilight. She goes, the movies were already too long. Yeah. And she's a fan. So oh, this wow. is a bad, this is a bad sign for oh, them. That's not good. I, I don't, look, I, I hate them. So have I told they're you this so story before? Bad. We may have talked about you this on the podcast them. before. Yeah. You I had, them. I had a girlfriend when I was, way, I was way younger. I was like 20 or something. And she went away, she went on holiday and she was like, no sex for you when I come back if you don't read these books. And I was like, I took it seriously because I was an idiot and I was 20. <laughs> and I no like sped through these books and she got back and I was like, I've done it. I know everything. Don't worry about it. And quiz she was me. I, me quiz you? No, that's what you said. Oh, probably. Yeah. She, she gave me like a, a piece of paper and was like, I, I expect this essay to be on my desk by 6am tomorrow morning. <laughs> I was like, ah. but look, I, I read them and like the, the only saving grace of those movies was that the soundtrack was kind of good. It was kind of like in a weird indie emo pocket. No, it did. It did have uh, you know, who was in that soundtrack it was Mute Math. Yes. Love that band. Yes. Um, the only saving grace for me. Yeah, I'll tell you what as well though. In the first movie, there is a song by actually Robert Pattinson sings it himself, and it's really surprisingly good. Not surprising. He's a fucking weirdo. He, of course he's good. <laughs> of course he's got like a good emotive emo song. Yeah, he literally like yeah. is that guy. It's a shame he never released it. It yeah. really is. He's he's gone on to w- bigger and better things, hasn't he? Yeah, but he's still weird. Hey, look, DL. This week, did you hear? Yeah. Apparently, all of your favorite franchises are coming back. Legally Blonde, <laughs> Stargate. Robocop. Let me put a bit of context around it. So effectively, a little while ago, Amazon bought MGM, yeah. which you know, had the rights to everything. I think they might have even had some of the rights to Bond, maybe. Mm. But what they're doing is they're effectively cherry picking all of the things that they like the look of and can, you know, franchise out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and effectively, they're going to be remaking a bunch. So one that I was super keen on was, like I mentioned, Robocop. Like, I didn't mind the remake they did recently. I lo- all right, so... For context, RoboCop, the first film, if you watch it from the 80s, it is brutal. 
Like, you mean like it's not a good movie? No, it's great. Yeah, I thought it was a classic. It's a real classic. But then after that, it just quickly devolves into absolute nonsense and PG-13 hell. And then the most recent one, the reboot, I think it was in 2018, maybe? they. It was with Joel Kinnaman, the guy from Suicide Squad. And it was like, it was fun. Like, it wasn't a bad film. It was just Mm. PG-13. It was like, they just needed to... Make it more gory. Yeah, up that rating. You know, like, people can... People go watch, like, R-rated movies now. Like, <laughs> they always did. Yeah, well, but like, <laughs> you can make a billion dollars on a Joker movie. You can make a billion dollars on a Robocop movie. The fan base is there. Baby. Yeah, the problem with the Ro- Robocop movie is that it's not going to be a small budget movie. They'll, That's true. They, there's no scenario where they make it small budget. Like, and also, Joel Kinnaman doesn't have that much charisma. <laughs> I, I, I weirdly like him and don't I like, like him. him. I do. You know, like, I, I get why people don't like him, but yeah. I kind of like it. I think he's fun. He's fucking, he, he's a bit too ripped. Yeah. He's he a, might be on steroids. I mean, all of them are in Hollywood. Mm. Let's be frank. It's not, it's not steroids. It's human growth hormone. Yeah, HGH. HGH. Have you seen the size of Stallone's hands? He's had more human growth hormone than like, than like it's possible Whoa. to put in your body. Yeah. Isn't it like healthy to do it at certain levels of it? Probably not. I don't know. Joe Rogan talks about that shit. He doesn't do it. Yeah. Apparently. Okay. Have you seen his arms? He's a big boy. I think he, dude, I think he works out like three times. I a think day. maybe he, he did does. when he was younger. Yeah, maybe. Isn't that actually the like the intro to his podcast? It's like work out, do the Joe Rogan podcast. I thought it's like all day, all night. Yeah, that's no! it. <laughs> I've got you. You know my my complete one eighty on that podcast. I've actually started listening to some of them now. Uh, I, I listened to it. one a really interesting one recently that I think you'll like, and it was about how the whole Catholic faith is supposed to be based on uh, hallucinogenic drug experiences. It's so interesting. Yeah. I'll send. I'll send you it. I'll send you it later. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I my 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 growing up, I went to church every weekend. You sent me that. I listened to the whole thing. It's really interesting. I mean, it's not like a. It's actually not that crazy. No, it's a, not at all. They've known a lot about this stuff, or that. But like, I just think that there's they weren't able to chemically prove it for yeah. that era. Yeah, but they definitely have in Rome. Yeah, and that was absolutely. like you know. So and outside of Rome, in places where the Roman Empire moved, like yeah. expanded, and, and it makes sense when you consider like how far away the Catholic Church pulled from that. Sure, why like it's so uh, demonized now? I really like the Church has yeah. controlled the narrative for a long time. Oh, I, I really like the interesting yeah. parts where the, I can't remember the guy he's interviewing. He goes into the Vatican and they go into yeah. the catacombs and there's all these weird mushroom like imagery, and they're really chatting about it. I'm like, oh man, that's so interesting. Imagine the church leaning into that and being like, yeah, it's all, it's all about psychedelics, baby. <laughs> Word in, we're in. <laughs> Word. <laughs> well, anyway, Dale, did you hear this week in our geeky spheres that Andy Circus might be returning to Andor? Context around this, for anyone who hasn't seen Andor, go and watch it. It's bloody brilliant. In fact, yeah. you know what? Listen to our podcast on it and then go and watch it because it's bloody brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Andy Serkis is part of one of the 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 three episode structures within it, right? In the the one when he's in the prison. Rise up. What do they say? <laughs> I don't know. Rise up. I hope they say <laughs> that. No, they, say, <laughs> they say something like that. And it's, they it's, never stop stopping. Yeah, never stop no, stopping. What do they fucking say? What is it? Uh, that's one of the There's the catchphrase. They're all yelling it. It's definitely not rise up. It's rise up. <laughs> what is it? That makes me think of that bit in the in the Dark Knight Rises where they're like, "What's up?" You know when they're like saying "rise, rise, rise," and he's got to rise from the pit. Yeah, <sighs> far but it's in a different language. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but what is the? It's killing me now. It's killing me. I can't remember. But can you talk to me about Andy Circus coming uh, back to the yeah, show? Yeah, because but I'm kind of bummed about that. I don't think he should. It was way good the way it ended. Yeah, he was like the perfect ending yeah. for that. Maybe it'd be a flashback. 
could be a flashback. Kind of also, I honestly think it was the perfect cameo. Just don't bring him back. He but you got to trust the writers. He was in something recently as the bad guy I watched. What the hell was that? Oh, it was that... Um... Gollum? <laughs> you got to watch. You got to trust no, the writers on it. It was the Luther movie. I told uh, you about the Luther stop, movie. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but he's, I mean, like, he's just the bad guy. He's in the trailer. Okay, well, I haven't seen that either. You're definitely not going to watch Luther. You haven't seen any of the show. I have seen the first season. Oh, good. I so all of them. out of five, you've seen one. You've seen a fifth of the. Yeah, but you told me I didn't need to see the rest. You don't, but yeah, you should. So shut the fuck up. You don't, but you shut should. Uh, what was what? All right. One way out. One way out or rise up. <laughs> so off. Rise up. <laughs> I prefer your version. Uh, uh, long story short, I don't think you should come back. I think he was a good cameo and a good, interesting flash in the pan character for that for that part of andor's life yeah, yeah good show though looking forward to that season two, Amazing two show. best star wars thing best star wars content yes since what do you hate sand <laughs> no it's it's really good it's, you gotta watch it it's really so good like if you have any interest in star wars i'd say absolutely go and watch this yeah it's like, really it's, good it's so good all right final bit of the news then before we move on Superman Legacy. Now, DL, do you, you remember we talked about James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over the DC universe? They're going to do their own thing. They're going to yes. make it amazing. They're going to make it very James Gunn. It's full steam ahead, baby. They're doing it. So James Gunn confirmed with an Instagram post that the script for the upcoming uh, Superman adaptation is effectively complete, and they're moving into pre-production. And that's so exciting. That means we'll soon yeah, be finding out who our new Superman fast. is. He must have been super inspired. Oh, or he was just... Maybe he was sitting on it for years. He was like, he had this idea for a Superman movie. Like, yeah, hey, Matt, still, you got to write it, though. That's very true. And I mean, some of it can change while they're going. More writers get a get a foot in it. But like, are you are you excited to see a new Superman on screen? I don't know if I'm excited. I'm I'm kind of like I don't know if it's Superman that's exciting. It's just like okay, like he's obviously fucking excited about this because all he does is tweet about it, talk about it. It's true. He's all he's hyping it up. All, like you know what I mean. Like he's not making it easy on himself he's not like oh, oh yeah. your expectations like no he's talking it up so yeah i'm excited to see what they do and also the marvel sucks so at the moment yeah it's not doing the not doing its best stuff but then his final move is coming out in a couple of weeks time guardians of the galaxy 3 yep so the thing he does really well is like good emotional characters like really good condensed condensed concise stories with like a big emo- emotional punch and I'm excited to see, like, this could go one of two ways in my eyes. And I don't, I think Superman's quite polarizing. Super like, fucking boring. It's, it's, it's not easy to do, like, just, so uh, it was a fine Superman movie. It's either really dull and I, it'll be a hot, fiery mess or it'll be, like, really good. And I'm quite excited to see either way because either I think, way like, is going to be I think more likely it's going to be good. For sure. I think he's obviously really in touch with, like, what Superman's about. He, like, and he cares. And usually that, that's, he clearly cares, yeah, which is nice. I'm excited to see what he does with this anyway. Look, guys, if there's anything you've heard in the geeky sphere that we haven't touched on this week, hit us up at podcastassembly on Instagram or thepodcastassembly.gmail.com. Tag us, send us directly. We love it when you do. We'll call you out next time. DL, before we do the main topic, should we announce the winner of our competition? Yeah. Mm, give, me a, give me a drum roll. <laughs> And the winner is Mike Greeny Coach. That, well <laughs> Greeny done. Coach. Applause. Big applause for your big guy. DM us your details and we will organize sending you your prize. And we hope you stick around for the rest of the content because we have got 
one of DL's all-time favourite movies to talk about coming up right now. Yes, this is it. Do you want to preface the main topic, DL? I mean, this movie, what, came out in probably... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta get... I, I remember seeing the previews, like, this movie came out the year after I graduated high school. Oh, yeah? Or, like, the summer after the first year of college. It would have been, like, 2010. Um, Bang on, it is from 2010. Yeah. It was just like, as soon as I saw it, it was, I was like, I need to see this movie. Peak Leo, probably peak Nolan. Oh, we will talk about you the know, cast. it's uh, Inception, <sighs> and we've been we've been kind of waiting to do this one for a while. But and frankly, like probably a top three movie for me. I think we've been building up to it. So this is one of our many many anthologies, and it's the directors we love. So what we've been doing is we've been going through a few of Chris Nolan's movies. We have thus far done like, and we're going to rank these at the end of the show. We've done Memento, we've done Dunkirk, we've done Inception, we've done The Prestige, and we've done Tenet. And now we are talking about 2010's Inception. And it is, like I say, one of your all-time favorite movies. Yeah. So I'm so excited to talk about this. But DL, before we get into it, do you have a stupid plot summary for this? So stupid plot summaries came about because we're really bad at condensing movies. So we just thought we'd say it in the dumbest way we possibly could. Yeah. What's your stupid plot summary, DL? The only thing more meta than the metaverse is this movie. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't come up. There was a couple I could have. I came up with, and I think you know yours probably was one of them. Let's like we both came up with the same idea. I think so. Let me let me hear yours. Oh, you want to go, man? Okay, all yeah. right. A dream within a dream, within a dream. <laughs> the only version of reality where it's feasible for Leonardo DiCaprio to have an age-appropriate love interest. Sure, it's so true. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's our dumb. So it's kind of hard to summarize because it's movie. So, it's you so could summarize wild. it as dot 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 the entire thing was a dream like you know like well, how you always make those jokes like yeah. what if it ended it was all a dream you could yeah. you could before we get into it then DL, do you want to guess me what the imdb score is for this at present eight nine. Ooh, it's eight eight you were I was very about close to say it. you were so close uh what do you think the rotten tomatoes 97 no interestingly it's 87 uh, i think that's too, low for well i'll tell you what i saw this movie in high school, stoned for the first time, and I had no idea what was happening <laughs> <laughs> for the first thirty minutes. Was so confused. well. We'll talk about that. In so just, intrigued. Let's talk about so that. My point is, that's moment. probably like part of the issue. Here. Well, what do you think the Metacritic score is? That's got, well. Part of me thinks Metacritic might be like, oh, this is so pseudo scientific that it's not good. Okay, but I'm going to say it's an eighty-two. 74. I think the confusion part affected yeah. a lot of people's viewing People experience suck. of this. So there was obviously director Chris Nolan and DL mentioned that it's got. A, a stacked cast. Like, yeah. it's got Leo DiCaprio as Cobb, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Arthur, uh, Elliot Page as Adrienne, when she was Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Tom Hardy as Eames. It's got uh, Ken Watanabe. It's got Killian Murphy. Oh, my God, it's got everyone. Marion uh, Cotillard. She's in every single Nolan movie. So much. many Nolan alums, mm-hmm. and, and I absolutely love it. And we're going to talk about all of those in a moment. But before we do, I'm bringing back an old favorite DL, and we mm-hmm. haven't done this for a long time. Because it's our 100th episode, I thought you might be interested in perhaps indulging me in a bit of goofy IMDb pictures. Of course. Now, do you remember why we do goofy IMDb pictures? Of course. We like to view, for our favorite movies, people whose headshots don't really add up. <laughs> you know, if you're in a big movie like Inception, you're an up-and-coming actor, you're probably going to try and have your publicist put something nice Something on. good, yeah. And you're just like an like, actual headshot. Yeah, and usually there's always a few that don't. Now, well, we have some absolute doozers this movie. What we'll do is we'll pop them on our Instagram 
and maybe poll them so you guys can let us know what you think. But we do have a current MVP, and it is Sonny Kaldineth, who was in a movie, which I can't remember which it was, it's so long ago. He was Mean Mongolian. Now, do you want to just explain we- this guy? This is our current MVP. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's kind of a pimp. <laughs> he loves he looks like a 70s pimp who's sort of, or, or he's i don't know maybe he's in like um or he's just a mean mongolian he looks he looks pretty mean in the 70s he's got a great mustache great afro yeah, in the 70s. it's it's just like mean mongolian in the 70s then yeah perfect. it's weird it's it's a random irony pick because he looks kind of confused and he's yeah. so, he looks like he's full-on like hamlet in this he does look like he's trying to explain something to an idiot or yeah. he's trying to explain something that he doesn't quite understand. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Now we've got a couple of we've got a couple of challenges today. We normally only come with one, but I thought, you know, as it's hundredth episode, let's give you a couple. Okay. And I I think this one is just so random, and mm. I would like to know what you think. The first challenge of this week is Mr. Alan Hale, who plays the immigration officer at the end of the show, end of the movie. The right well, exactly. Oh my god! Explain this Who's to the this listeners. Mate, dude? I, okay, so he's the, it's the. <laughs> It's literally a picture off, like, you know, Facebook, but, like, photos of, not photos. Like, From, like, somebody else, 25 you know, years ago. Somebody else has posted photo, yeah. tagged you, you're tagged in, and it's uh, our- Grainy as hell. It is our mate, who is the customs agent, who, spoiler alert, lets Leo back in, with God. and or santa claus's father or or like bad santa yeah like or santa claus's great grandfather some really really old dude having a beer it's super grainy the guy is so old the reason i find this funny is that on the on actually imdb when you look at the picture it's actually more zoomed into the old dude than it is him so it's really confusing (laughs) like huh yeah i I (laughs) wasn't the custom it was really grainy i clicked on it i was like oh it's not the really old dude for some reason (laughs) now (laughs) <laughs> is he in other movies? I, I hope so. Now, our second challenger today, and this, this is bringing back an old MVP. Mm. I have no idea what movie he was in previously, but this but you do remember makes me very happy when I saw this. <laughs> now, do you remember, DL, Mobin Khan, who plays the Mombasa Casino yeah. Cashier? <laughs> yes, I do. Is he the bartender? Or? <laughs> He's a casino cashier in in, uh, uh, okay. in Mumbai. When, when Hardy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to explain a bit, Jeff? Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, it's a headshot. It, it technically is. Is it a white suit? Is it white or is it beige? <laughs> it's it's kind of cream. Yeah, he's got a, he's in a cream shoot, given his best blue steel impression, but not really. He's kind of got dead eyes. He's got googly eyes, so he has. <laughs> he's definitely got googly eyes. Yeah. I love this. I, I think he was an MVP for a while. He I, might, really I think he was a challenger, but look, I he's think, an extra in a couple movies. So. I think the reason is because <laughs> of his, Nolan his how, he's, how he's sat. It's very yeah, provocative. Yeah, the way right. he's got and, his, and like his eyes with that. You're kind of oh. like, what are you insinuating? What are you insinuating? Yeah, what, are you, what are you asking for? So, DL, I'd love to know which you think is the goofiest IMDb picture from this movie out of those three. I think, I think Santa's great, great, great ancestor. <laughs> So it takes the cake, yeah. You you think Alan Hale is our current MVP? Yeah, I mean, it's ah. literally like a fucking tag. It's like a high school reunion pick, yeah. but with like the with founder the, of the high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From like 2001. It's such a terrible picture. I don't understand why that would be your IMDb uh, picture. Couldn't tell you. All right, let's get into this Inception movie then, DL. Yeah. What's your, why don't you tell me a little about the history of it and your connection to it before we get into it? Yeah, man, it, it was just uh, my connection. It's just one of my like all-time favorite movies yeah. as growing up. Like When I saw it, I was like, this is like... It almost made me want to be like, I was I have this whole career planned. Why don't I go and try write movies? Didn't do that, but that's wow. like where it took me. It was like, this is so like intriguing to me how it's so tight. It's so well done. It's so creative. Yeah. Uh, you know, every element of it is so well architected and original. I just loved it. And I remember 
it was so much that, like I, I think I asked for it for like Christmas. Wow. This is like back in like the day my mom was like, what do you want for Christmas? I was like, give me the Blu-ray of Inception. <laughs> you got to remember this is when Netflix still sent yeah, DVDs. So yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll watch this whenever I want. And uh, Blu-rays were expensive back then. Man. Like, yeah, was a, she was a nice present. Yeah. Um, so that's what it was for me. And, and, and yeah, so you just, saw it in cinema then. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. Stony. I got to say, I would sobered have up loved to seen this in cinema. Yeah, you sober up pretty quick. Right. This movie. It's very, you got to keep up. Because you saw it. I saw it for the first time with you about three yeah. years ago. And yeah. like, the thing is, I think I'd had it spoiled for me on the internet so many times. I was like, it's I don't like even. It's hard to spoil. It's crazy. Like, I didn't. I mean, obviously, it had been sp- like top level spoiled, but there's so many layers to this. I clearly didn't have Yeah, like, any what idea. do you. Like, well, I'm trying. I'm curious what was spoiled for you. Now, spoilers for this movie that's been out for 15 years. Great question. Well, that's a very good starting point because yeah. we are just going to be doing spoilers all the way through yeah. no non-spoilers and spoilers just straight into it let's talk about the plot because that's yeah. kind of the thing that at, at very top level i think could probably been spoiled for me but to start with you've got to really say that i think you've really got to get on board with the logic of this movie like if you don't sort of jump on board very early on that you don't know everything and there's a lot of sort of hand waving like it moves fast enough upon first viewing oh. and you're confused enough that you don't you, you don't you don't actually like catch the plot holes and there are a few and we'll talk about them later, I'm sure. But like, I actually I'm thought upon first, I jumped on straight away. Yeah, I thought upon first viewing, it, it moves at such pace that it actually works. Absolutely. Um, and, and upon second viewing, I actually remember second viewing when I, I literally paused it and was like, hold on. <laughs> and I like, I like mentally, like, you know, subconsciously, like was like, let me actually try and conceptualize. I have, I have a plot hole that I thought of as yeah. I was watching it for this time. Right? Yeah. You always find one and then there's like, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and like I was completely on, on board for this the moment it started, but it starts really interestingly. It throws you into a, a scene like immediately in a, a dream in a dream, effectively. And yeah, it's well, more than that. I mean, if you if we're going full spoilers, the first scene is a dream, a dream in a dream, a dream. Oh. And the very first scene is limbo, but we it's don't know limbo. That. You don't realize it starts that, yeah. with the end of the movie. It's yeah. one of those like the beginning of the movie is the last scene of the movie or one which of is fascinating. Yeah. I really like that. But it starts off with uh, effectively introducing you to all the characters or a couple of characters, effectively J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, DiCaprio's character. And it's great because they're showing you just what they do. Yeah. They're, they're in a dream trying to heist Saito's job. information. It yeah. is a job. And it gets flipped on them very quickly. I find it fast. The really interesting thing about that first scene is they're in, they've got their little gang there and the one dude with the long hair who's, I've forgotten, I didn't write his name down, is like he basically messes up and he like gets the carpet wrong and like he gets killed like immediately. Well, <laughs> like, well we don't know, but it's implied ambiguously. It's implied for sure. It's very much. Implied. Well, I mean, they, they're literally like doing high stakes, illegal yeah. military yeah. technology. It is that kind of game. It feels like it's like the CIA. If they knew they were doing this would kill them. Absolutely. You know, well, t- Tell me about the plot of this movie then. Like what is, what I is mean, it's a like, the vague outline at a high level. We follow, uh, what is his first name? Arthur Cobb. What's his Cobb, just Cobb. Cobb, Cobb. Born on the Cobb. Cobb, Cobb, Cobb double B. Cobbception. Dude, he, whose name is, I actually like it as a name, but it's no cool one name. would be named Cobb. Like, what is that short for? Uh, Cobblet. <laughs> Why know. do I ask you questions? Why do you ask You me ask anything? the questions. All right, I'll answer Cobblet. Uh, the, <laughs> the plot, so it goes, is uh, we follow Cobb and his crew, or at least really just Gordon how do you say his name joseph gordon levitt joseph gordon levitt as they are extractors which in this realm is a military military developed technology yeah uh that was basically developed to allow the military to feel pain and 
have it all be fake yeah. where you are dreaming and you can create dream states and live live it like it's lucid dreaming. Yeah, exactly. They put you down and it feels like it's real life. And we follow them as they use this to actually extract information from targets. It's almost like a heist of the mind. If somebody knows something, they can set up scenarios with which that person is tricked into revealing said secret, said information that they need. It's an illegal thing that they're doing. They're kind of like black market, I don't know, not assassins, but uh, well, it's a, thieves. The thieves. Yeah, they're thieves at the highest level using military technology that is not supposed to be used in this way. Um, everything's kind of black market. So if they fuck up, you know, there's big consequences and potentially, you know, they could be killed. And, and you so- find out very early that Cobb's character has is seen the consequences of those. Like the the very top level of this movie and the whole driving behind Leo's ca- character yes. is that he wants to get back to his family and he's been caught doing this illegal shit and he can't go back to the States. Well, that's what's implied. Yes, very much. That's what's implied at the start. We're, we're, what's implied well, that's is... That's what you, you, you believe from Yeah, the that's beginning. what you believe for pretty much the entire movie until the end. And but, they're hired by Ken Watanabe's character, who I love, by the way, Saito's great in this, mm-hmm. uh, to plant an idea in his business competitor's mind. Effectively, this is where the, the movie kicks off. Yeah, it kicks well. It kicks off with us them failing a job with Saito, but doing a really good job. Yeah, and one of the guys making a mistake, and then Saito then actually says, "Hey, you actually did great. Yeah, I want to hire you to do something." But really, what they're doing typically is extracting called extraction in, yeah. information from a uh, a subject, and Saito wants actually to do what is called Inception. So did you um, did you know that this movie actually started out as a concept in two in the two thousands? Mm-hmm. So Chris Nolan actually pitched it as more of like a horror movie. I find that fascinating. I didn't know that part. Yeah, apparently, but they it, it seemed a bit too ambiguous, and his ideas weren't locked in. So well, it is pretty ambiguous. Yeah, movie. and he sort of yeah, it still is. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just took his time. He went, all right, well, this is a good idea, but I need to ruminate on this for longer. Yeah, I found that fascinating. Imagine this is horror. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know how you do horror with it, but I guess it, there would be cool elements for sure. So cool. But it, but I, I think it ended up the, the way it ended up. It, yeah well we'll we'll get into it. so we continue to yeah we continue to watch as they go through and he recruits a team to basically perform what he says can be done others doubt can be done which is inception yep um and really what the idea they are trying to incept is to uh have this big energy conglomerate that is taking over the world yeah saito who is the second largest energy provider in the world cannot compete with the largest whose founder is dying and the son is inheriting it. And Saito is trying to incept the idea that he needs to break up the empire. Now, I find this fascinating because this is a great time to just quickly touch on the stakes of the movie, right? So they are subtly very, very high. So there's obviously the character level, which is Cobb struggling to get back to his family, but also struggling with reality. We'll touch on that in a moment. Um, One of the fascinating things I noticed in this on on a third or fourth view, whatever it was, was Saito has an argument uh, effectively, like it's not it, at no point does he really back up his desire to do this, and you feel that he is just trying to get a competitive advantage and win back some of the market. It, it doesn't feel very altruistic that what he's doing, but there is a moment in it when he mentions that actually uh, Cillian Murphy's character's father, so yeah. the the Fishers, yeah, they're trying to effectively monopolize world energy. Yeah, and if you imagine the effects that would have on governments, on you know the livelihood of the people in those in in all the countries in the world, fascinating. Yeah, super super interesting. And but it's it's 
You only see it from his perspective, and it's all—it's the very start when he says that. Completely. It's like a, all, but it's—it's it's, a—it's yeah. a throwaway line, one that you would miss if you weren't really paying attention for it. Totally. I think totally. the stakes are really, really good in this. Well, the stakes are, and the stakes get big in a couple different areas, like creatively, kind of like that's partly what Limbo is. We'll get into it later, Absolutely. but it, it raises the stakes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you get this movie where you—it's like an espionage thriller where he recruits the team, performs the heist. But what we find, you don't—the heist doesn't really start till almost less than halfway. I think it's like an hour and two hours and 20 minutes or two hours and a half. And, About an hour in. And an hour in, the heist actually begins. Well, technically, a lot of the heist could be looked at as being them building the, te- building the team and their confidence to do it. So 100%. a lot of so Elliot Page's and, role is yeah. her understanding how to build the layers of a dream. One thing I did call out, which I, you love this movie, and I'm totally mm. cool with that. I think it's good to have a little bit of a balanced view. People do cite, and it's noticed very much in like the, you know, the, uh, the Metacritic score, for example, things like that, that it is a very convoluted plot. Like to say that having to watch it three or four times to you know really get to grips with it. I mean, that's not the best viewing experience for everyone. Not everyone can go back and watch a two and a half, three hour movie three or four convoluted times. Convoluted is a negative term. Yeah, that's why I say it's an issue. I think it's, I think that like, I would say convoluted is like tenant is convoluted. Oh, absolutely. This is like complex and fucking meta. Like, I wouldn't say it's convoluted, but people have their opinions. Fair the, enough. This this was some of the feedback it, it got when it first came out. Oh, some of the course, criticism. but it, just because a movie has to be rewatched for fully for, for like complete comprehension, I wouldn't. Call not it everyone convoluted. has time to do that. Like, yeah, that's 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 art though. Any like any good art when you reread it, rewatch it, re listen to it, you learn and see new things. Sure, As, that would be my argument. Is sure. like that's actually more of a a testament to the fact that it's like really well made art, but. Like you go watch Tenet five times, you still won't get it because there's not there's there's something. I won't be able to, to hear it. So like <laughs> exactly. that's the problem. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, I think pe- people can say that. That's fair. I mean, look, I I think that everyone you, has their own entitled views. to their opinion. Absolutely. Sure. I I actually put down like this is Nolan's attempt at a, at a heist movie, and it is just so removed from what I think of a heist movie. <laughs> like I I just still have like you know, I think of like the Italian Job, for example. You know what I mean? Like. Really obvious heist. I told him to blow the bloody doze off. Funnily <laughs> enough, Michael Caine's in this one as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so removed from that. And it's just so artsy and different. I love it. Not really. Uh, it's like, it, it's like a, it could be a bank. Like, there's a job. That's about the only thing you could call it as there's a heist job. movie. It's not, it's more philosophical and more, uh, I guess, heady and investigating like identity and all. Yeah. we'll talk about it later but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's a typical heist movie i agree i yeah. think that's like a that's a flavor that's in this movie it's well, much more philosophical than it is a heist movie it's what we talked about with chris nolan last time yeah. he, it's, it's it's his auto spirit like taking a concept distilling it to its real you know its real base like its core elements and then doing something wildly different with it it's like mm-hmm. here's here's the Here's a cityscape. Let's bend it in half. Like yeah. com- taking away all of your preconceptions, and I, and I absolutely love that. Like, like before we get into performances, then let's talk a little bit about what happens next in the movie. So Cobb's getting the team together, and he's building he's building a team of some veterans. So Tom Hardy in this is we're going to talk about in a moment. He's part of the team. It's What's obvious- his role called? Do you remember? That's a very good question. I think it's called he's it's like the thief and the and the forger forger. Or something. He's Eames. I can't remember. That's yeah, very his name. No, his name is Eames. But the, each per each person in the team has a role. Elliot Page, their role is the architect, and they basically 
construct the dream environment. Yes, correct. Right? They're like it's almost like a math like product manager style thing where like you have to create a maze that is just as convincing and uh as real life but also has certain limits that benefit sure. the people setting up the trap. Yeah. Um and then you've got uh memes Eames, Eames? who's the forger Eames. and the thief uh, whatever his name this is. This movie did bring one of the best memes out, the squinting Leo meme. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> I forgot that that was actually a part of this movie. I did not. I yeah. was waiting for it. Um, no, until I saw it. Like, and then I remembered. I was waiting and, for it. And then all of a sudden, I was thinking of the meme where it's Leo in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Where it's like, it's, it's that. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but that's what so he's sitting at the TV dinner. Uh, the, the other guy, who's the other guy? The, the man dude that uh, creates, not the man dude, he creates the potion. What is he called? I don't know. Oh, Yusuf. Yusuf, yeah. So there's there's a team. They all have a different role. Um, I actually don't know what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's role is. I don't actually know either. He's kind what of he just do? hanging out. He's sort of yeah. He's just calls like, Robin. He's just that's a bit like, <laughs> come on, guy. He's a cheerleader. He's yeah. like, come on, guys. Um, so we yeah, assemble the team and, and then practice. And yeah, they're kind of practicing with Elliot yeah. Page. It's a lot of it's really interesting because Elliot seems to be the only one who's really questioning anything Cobb's saying. Yeah, and I find that fascinating. And well, it's she's good. like the foil to him because he used to be a really great architect, and now he can't, which we'll get into in a bit. Yeah, but she is, and so she's kind of questioning all his rules because he's very smart. You know, it's a, it's an interesting, like, little dynamic between them. And we're going to say she when we're talking about Elliot Page a lot. And we really apologize because in this movie, she was still Ellen Page, whereas now they are Elliot. So we apologize if we offend, but it's incredibly hard to get that quite right. But we will pers- we will do our best. Let's talk a little bit about the performances then. So at a, like, at a macro level, we can say it's fantastic. They're all really good in this. But I'd like to dig a little bit deeper because... There are two characters who I love, love, love in this, and it's probably not the ones you'd think of. Mm. But when we've talked about Chris Nolan before, you've highlighted some real issues with his challenges, shall we say, in building emotional depth for characters in films. I think, yeah, it's, it's, I, I was thinking about this as I, as I did it, and it's emotional depth, but it's also uh, flaws that yeah. change. Like, it's the basic journey of a character. Like, you start one way. And you end another because of conflict and yeah, challenges absolutely. that you face. The classic you, hero's journey. And if you look at like any of his movies, a lot of them, the main characters don't have that. They don't. They don't have. They're too time bendy. They're too like they, they're too like focused in on the mechanics and engineering of the yeah. plot and yeah. the, like the heady stuff, and not enough on the character that, and what motivates them and drives them to change and and act. It's a gift and a curse. It's a dual edged sword. I feel like because his plots are so complex you need to focus on them so much he has to sacrifice things. you sacrifice that and, and otherwise it should be a six to. hour movie i don't know that he has to i think he just chooses to sometimes focus more on that and this movie i think is where you're going he didn't really do that as there's more than the typical nolan movie would you agree i would say for cobb potentially but i would say outside of that not so much but even cobb as the main character yeah he's got a complex backstory but uh, and he's effectively fighting against his own guilt and trauma. Yeah, but that's a big do thing. you? But do you see? Do you see him overcoming that? In any? I think Cobb has a has a very clear arc. Okay. I would disagree with you. I think that the other character I would point to would be uh, Fisher. Okay. The 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 young Fisher. Yes. Has Killian a Murphy. kind of an arc. It's manipulated, but he has an arc. I would. I'd say absolutely doesn't have an. I'd say he is just pushed away. He's just exactly like you say, manipulated into making a decision that he didn't. Well, that's the point of the movie is that they yeah. say that, but, but you still, it's still, that's still a thing that happened to him 
and he ha- he deals with trauma, overcomes it, le- finds a way to move forward. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I mean, he's not the same guy he was at the start of the film as at the end. Now, he doesn't get as much screen time, yada, yada. And you don't get, like, a, a, literally, a spe- speaking of, really only Cobb is the only one who has any arc in this film at all. Like, outside of that, I can't think of anyone else moving from point A to point B to point C in this film. I mean, she, he is the main character. Everyone else is a supporting cast. I would say Ariande has a uh, has agency, and definitely you can see how she goes from like being like "fuck you" to "I'm gonna try and help you through this." Like, but that's not really. She's not the main character. She's more of a foil to Cobb. Sure, so I, I think that's normal in a movie. What I would say though is Cobb's clearly got an arc, and it's 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 as you go into the depths of the dreams, you face the depths of his emotional trauma and yeah. the depths of his guilt of the decisions he, he's made, and you basically go on his journey of tackling mental health and facing his mistakes sure um as as you go further and further in and at the start of the movie some decisions he makes at, for the best of the team he wouldn't or for the best of himself he doesn't make at the end it, it the movie doesn't pass the bechdel test let's say that like, there aren't two women who have a conversation in this film no. outside of talking no. about and, the main character but i will say this about the movie there's a there is a missed opportunity to go even further I and i think with, particularly agree. with the wife she doesn't quite get fridged but she kind of, in an Inception way, gets fridged. She's completely fridged in this film. But, but I'm she's already call, dead, so I'm she can't call, be fridged. I'm going to call her out as being one of my real standout in this, standouts in this film. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, Marion Cotillard, I'm never yeah. going to say that right. We'll just say Marl, it's easier. Yeah. Marl, her performance as this deeply disturbed, like intense figment of Cobb's imagination is fascinating and so well done. Yeah, and I think it's like the this is why I think it's actually better than some of his other films as well is like the theme of mental health sure. as like a kind of a, like the journey into the dreams and the facing really, it, it does feel like a, a motif or I guess maybe a metaphor for tra like trauma and yeah. how it affects your mental health. And if you if you don't face it and you don't yeah. deal with it, what it does. And I think that's a great, like I can't name another Nolan film that like has that succinct of a metaphor sure and like that well architected and executed i like that a lot and yeah. the other the other character i wanted to call out and it's it's more of a minor role but tom hardy in this he is just such a juxtaposition for the rest it's of the funny film. Guys. he's flamboyant yeah. <laughs> he's original his clothes alone are the best part of the film yeah no i agree he dresses quite well he dresses but awesome this is and, and to be fair like this is a spy sci-fi like philosophical movie yeah there's not enough room there's not really room for every single character to have this great character in-depth arc but i do think that Cobb and the wife if they nailed that too it's a perfect film that's the one gap and wow. i'd ask you what would you change well let, maybe let, we'll maybe we'll save that for let, later. let me ask you just one question before we move yeah. on then you made the point that mal is already dead at the beginning yeah. how can she have an arc if she's already dead i'm not saying that she could are you saying how could she I'm saying you're saying that she's got one of the best arcs in no, the I'm film. No, I'm saying if they if they nailed that, it would have been perfect. She can't have an arc. She's already dead. You can have an arc with someone already being dead. Come on. It's a figment of Cobb's imagination. It's all Cobb's journey. You, it's not you, hers. No, you can have an arc if you're already, it just, you use flashbacks. It's, that's, you, it's just, you're not, it's not revealed linearly. I think, I'm not I saying think she all has, we see of her I'm not is saying from she Cobb's has imagination. I'm actually saying that she doesn't. But, Love this debate. Let's, yeah, let's I, keep this going, but. As we move through the film then, what they decide to do is they decide to incept Fisher, which is apparently, um, well, what I say is impossible. I don't think this, they say it's impossible, yeah. but of course it isn't because they're going to do it. And what they do is they decide to create a multi-layered platform to do this. Yes. So what uh, Ariadne has to do is 
think up three completely different locations of which we're just going to call them dreams. And when they are within the dream, even Rick and Morty bloody um, (laughs) (laughs) parodied this. It's hard to explain. So they get into uh, Killian Murphy's uh, dream initially in the real world. Yeah. Or so we think. And then in the next dream, they then put him to sleep, put him into another dream, and then into another dream. So there are three layers deep to dreams. Yeah, here. but it's not all his dreams. They're, do- they're doing different people's dreams each time. I forget whose it is. This, the first one, I think, might be his. I think the first one was Elliot Page's. M- maybe it is. The- she architects all of them. And they're all, and they right. can't be based off reality because if you base it off reality, bad things can happen. Because the second one's Fishers, if you remember. Yeah. They, they trick him into saying that they're going into his head of security or whatever. Yeah, it is. but it's actually his. Yeah. yeah. And he, but, my, okay, right. So this is very confusing. But my favorite part about this is it is effectively three different movies happening simultaneously. It's fascinating. It's really cool. And each happens to just intercept with In, the next. Influence. And influence. Next, because, yeah. like, if you. If you're in the top dream and the car is moving right, everything in the bottom dream feels suddenly like it's, it's moving right. right and you're like, yeah. What's going on? So they all influence each other. Uh, and basically, they're, they're heist, they're plat, they're planned because we got to finish the plot eventually. Otherwise, we'll, this will be a well, we're going through As we're going through. Yeah. We're talking about pacing now, um, by the way, in case you didn't know. Oh, are we? Okay. <laughs> the, uh, as, as they're going through each layer, the real plan is, okay, we, we have to basically convince him and they're doing it on the fly because they don't know him that well they've yeah. done some recon but we've got to basically convince him to find something that makes him believe that he should break up the father's empire and yeah. how do they do that well the first thing they do is they pretend to kidnap him. they pretend to kidnap him and his his closest thing to a father figure and start to see the idea that there's some there's another will yeah no one knows what it was it's it, well, they need to find it, and they—that's the whole point. That's why they, these two people have been kidnapped. His head lawyer, who's his dad's, who is father figure, and his dad's confidant, and himself. Great point in there as well. Tom Hardy, like, does this? It, it's obviously just the dude, the, just the actor. But like, there's mm. a bit where Tom Hardy is like pretend, is like learning his mannerisms and stuff to play him, and does like a little bit. It's so interesting. But the pacing of the movie in itself, it's one of the movie's strong points. Let's be yeah. perfectly honest with you, and. The fact that they say early on, when you go into another dream, or when you go into a dream, time slows down, right? But then when you go into another dream, within that dream, time slows down even further. It's so exponential. You're yeah. slowing down time, and it's really well done because the things that are happening in what, uh, the top level, for example, are slowly filtering through. And, it's and you can just cut the movie. and Really, it's a great way to yada yada over plot holes. Completely. Well. Yeah. Completely. But like I say, it, it's when you combine the gradual tension building with this, you know, sweeping overarching plot and the music, which we'll talk about in a minute, it's Hans. Hans. Yeah. And and just time dilation general, which is a Chris Nolan, you know, like staple. So interestingly done. So well done. Yeah. And the action sequences, which we'll talk about too, that are created because of that are just fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about action in just a moment. What, what's your favorite dream layer? And that's a weird thing to say, but like, which, which captivates you the most? When you watch it, oh, uh, the second one for sure. I think the second one's my favorite too. So what happens in the second dream one? It's quick, but it's good. Yeah. What happens in the second dreamland is Cobb on the fly. So Leonardo DiCaprio on the fly does the meme face to start with, but he decides that he's going to throw all the rules out, mm-hmm. and he decides to interact with uh, Killian Murphy's character and say, "Hey, yeah, you're dreaming." 
everyone here's against, everyone here's against you and someone's yep. trying to get to you. I'm your bodyguard and convince him. And it's so well done. Yeah. Really interesting. And just the way he, you know, manipulates him in that scene. I love it. Because when you're in someone else's dream, yeah. all the people around you are their, their perceptions, basically their bodyguards trying to get you out if they, if they realize it's a dream. And so it's he, a subconscious fighting against yeah, you. Right? He convinces him that he's actually a part of the subconscious and that he's there to protect him while he's in the dream. Because if you, someone's trained to combat extraction, their subconscious is armed and can help them. And he's been trained. Because they learned that in the previous layer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's a great time to then maybe talk about action before we go into cinema and yeah. cinematography and world building. Because the best thing from, I, I think my favorite thing about this film, like in a, in a genuine sense, is that it is quite methodical and world building, but they do really throw in these action scenes to give you a big curveball every now and again. And the action. And to nail down the concept they've told you. Completely. And the action's amazing. And I think the first thing. The first thing that stands out to me whenever I think of this film, and it probably is a, a really obvious thing to say, but it's that whole scene fight way. Yeah. Where, no. Wait, which way? Hallway fight scene. <laughs> I can scene actually speak. Way. I can. And we're going to be touching on like um, the lack of use of CGI in this in a minute, but like the fact that he, that Chris Nolan created this huge corridor that he could literally spin around and move while they're all on wires and they're floating and yeah, Gordon Levitt's fighting like one of the bad guys. It's amazing. It's a really, and it looks good still. Yeah. 15 years later. And awesome. the, I, I guess when you get down to the final layer, which is the, uh, it's the snow layer. I don't know how I know it, uh, any other way. Yeah. Saying, it's like they're on a mountain. They're on a mountain. I guess you could say the final layer is when they go to limbo, but yeah. the final layer of the dream. ChatGPT thought that, that was not the final layer. It was a separate thing. Just so you know. Interesting. When asked. Well, we'll talk about ChatGPT later on. But the actions, I, I find the action scenes in the snow less interesting than what we get before it. They're pretty good still. They're great. They're just more, uh, they're more standard. They're, they're more, more standard high smooth. They're more bond. Exactly. And I don't mind that. Like, it's fine. But for me, I'm like, it's. Of course. Yeah, it's the, middle, more the middle one's iconic. Man. Yes, it is. And it's, and it's iconic because it ties to the scene before it. So. When they're in that fight hallway scene, which you've yeah, talked absolutely. about, the, the layer above, the car is flipping, yeah. which is causing the scene to happen in such a crazy way. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. interesting. Um, I think the best thing about the action, one of the best things about the action in this movie is the sense of dread and danger you get whenever you realize Marl is coming into it. So we've not talked about Marl and why she's there. Do you want to preface that? Yeah, I guess like the, it's hard to do without just telling the whole story. It's but fine. We're, we're there now. The, uh. Maul is Cobb's wife, who we find out pretty early on, has uh, has died. We don't yep. really exactly know how. And um, Cobb, one of the rules he lays out for... Uh, Ariadne. Ariadne. God, that's such a tough name. Why, Ariadne. Why, what, he's got a Cobb and Ariadne. What a weird he's got a problem. combo there. Uh, is that you Coblin. cannot create... Coblin and Ariana Grande. Coblet. <laughs> you, can't, you cannot create dreams from your own memory <laughs> because then it's impossible... To determine what is real and what is fake. Yes, correct. And you can it, it can cause issues. Yeah. Um, and we learn this pretty thoroughly through Cobb. Yeah. Because we're in the uh one of the dream states that she's architecting in a training, and our introduction to his wife, both in the first scene and in the training with Ariande, is her trying to ruin the plan. Yes, correct. Because Cobb is the dreamer and she's his subconscious. And she's a very well established self-conscious. And we wonder why. And as we find out, it is because 
Cobb has basically been living a second life in dream state yeah. to relive the, his most beloved memories of his wife who has passed. Yeah. And with that becomes his inability to distinguish between dreaming and reality. And when that happens, when he's dreaming, his wife can basically learn the whole entire plan and get him out of the dream by killing him in his subconscious. Like immediately. She can enter at any point, anytime he's dreaming because he can't perceive that it's not a dream or if it's real super fascinating the coolest part about it i think every time you see not only her but we, we have a sequence where ariande steals into Cobb's dream co-dreams with him and sees all his memories it's like a different oh, floors yeah. of an yeah, apartment yeah. and so you see all these beautiful memories and some scary ones that foreshadow things that are happening mm. later in the movie that we find out and really all throughout the movie when there's dream states and all throughout the heist you see random cuts from these memories that aren't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. Kids playing, mm -hmm. glass breaking, these, these things that indicate, oh, Cobb is introducing his memories into this dream state that's going to fuck up the heist. It increases the tension. You're wondering, when is Maul going to show up? When is she going to fuck things up, kill someone? Because every time she comes, her goal is to she kill someone. kill someone, buddy. Yeah, to put him to sleep because she is one of his subconscious. So if, it's, yeah. if Cobb's in the dream, that's what she's trying to do. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. The thing I find most interesting about that what are you talking about? The the multi flawed apartment building is yeah. it's kind of part of that. Uh, the the you find out it is actually more part of the lower level at yeah. some point. We what do we call it? Not the subconscious. That's the wrong word. It's it's the limbo. It's limbo. He's created memories. From so let's both, let, let's yeah. talk about cinematography and world building then. So like I think this is a perfect time. So let's start with limbo because they do end up going to limbo. What happens is they need to go down and save Saito. We, this is where the movie starts, yes. effectively. Saito is going to limbo. You don't, anyway. but you find it. Yeah, as you go through, you find out that he's gone down there. He actually gets shot in the first layer, and that follows him all the way down to the last. And <laughs> you, he goes we're not going to explain all the rules really Too properly, much. but the, the to go three layers deep, they needed to add sedative. It's real bad. Sedative to the, to the dream concoction, which means if you die, you don't actually wake up the way you typically would. You get Going stuck at a place called Limbo. The only person that's ever been there before is Cobb and his wife when they were in the early stages of experimenting with dream technology. Yes. And I think the world built by Nolan in that is amazing. Like, it's beautiful. It builds on so many different ideas of memory and, like, yeah. the things that you hold on to, even though, like, subconsciously, even though you don't want to. And, like, yeah. the, don't want to, don't think you have. So, like, the childhood home you grew up in and all that stuff. And it's this sort of, sentimental backdrop which is so juxtaposed against all of the cool stuff you see in the dreams yes so like i i, lo I love that so one of my favorite bits is when they're in pa in this in paris and then this everything starts exploding around mm -hmm. them and you like that is visually stunning in itself but that is quite a clear um it is very clear cut in terms of its visual style but then you get this sort of ambiguous roaming rolling subconscious in the bottom layer of limbo that that's really it's falling to pieces it's disintegrating because it's memories that someone else created long time ago crushed together yeah, yeah. i love the the dystopianness of it it's so interesting yeah the world is built on so many layers and yeah. it's, i know that's dumb thing to say because it's layers of dreams and dreams <laughs> and dreams but as you get down, like I would love, I, I almost feel like it should get more hazy as you go down. Like, you know sure. what I mean? Like, it's like lucid and yeah, it's fascinating. And the only people that can, you know, when you go to, when you go into limbo, what's there is what, whatever was there last time. Sorry. Which what, is random. What? No, no, it makes sense. When I was thinking about it, what, when you go into limbo, there's either nothing there 
or there's whatever was there with the person that you're dreaming with who's been there Got before. It. Got it. So it's like he sets up all these really cool rules. Which has only that, been the two of them. So in theoretically. Yeah. Well, whoever's whoever you're sharing the dream with, if someone's been there before, that's what's yeah, there because it's sure. their dream. It's their lucid state. Well, let's talk literally then. So Nolan, yeah. you know, we've talked about it very like loosely, but like it's famous how much like practical effects he used in this and digital. He's almost he's not anti CGI, but he's kind of like I feel like there's a bit of him that there's a bit of uh, res- uh, resilience against it. He he doesn't want to over rely on CGI. And he builds these incredibly huge sets so he can do like, so like, for example, I've, I mean, I've, it looks so much better because of it. I've got a list of them, right? Yeah. So here's a list of the, the different things that they physically made, right? So the explosion in the streets of Paris hmm. was, was done like physically. Real? Real. Um, Not with Leo in it though, surely. <laughs> no, no, but just explosion was, they were pasted over. Yeah. And then, so the water rushing into Leo's dream in the very first scene, you know, the scene when he's inside. Yeah, that looked like it was real. Real. Yeah. Um, the spinning hallway, obviously, because we're talking about it. The big train going down the street, real. Really? That was actually a truck that they'd built like a really? train around. The hospital is real as well. The walking up the wall, you know, in Ariadne and, and um, Cobb are walking in the, the street flips. Yeah. Oh, she's bent the street in half. That looked fake. It, no, no. Well, yeah, it's it's badly the the street is badly composited, but yeah. like they're in like a rectangle, a, a square room, and they just move the room around mm. so they can step up the wall. Really interesting. The tilting bar, you know, when they're in Killian Murphy's memory, and the bar, yeah. whole, the whole thing tilts. Yeah, they had to get a load of extras who could just like hold on for dear life. <laughs> uh, the Penrose stairs, the the avalanche was real. Like all, like an avalanche. Like come on, Chris Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> that was the kick right that was literally kick. yeah crazy yeah. like and I, I think it's it's really amazing and to be frank with you like this movie has been parrot par- almost not parroted but parroted to death like yeah, his visual styles is so fucking good yeah you look at like things anything from like everything everywhere all at once all the way to like dr strange they s- don't steal they leverage aspects of the beautifulness of this movie it's great yeah for sure can we talk about leo's hair let's do it when do you think Leo has the best hair in which movie? I think this has got to take the cake. You, more than Titanic? I like his Titanic hair. I mean, hair. Titanic hair is young, Titanic, Leo, like, boy throb hair. But this is like... Boy throb? Like, boy throb. <laughs> you, you mean heart throb? throb. Boy, boy heart throb. Boy <laughs> throb. Gross. 100, 200 <laughs> episodes later, we'll get the yeah. boy well, throb. Boy throb's coming back for our 200th uh, episode for the- sure. The uh, the heartthrob hair, but I'm, I mean, come on, dude, you, you, the flow in this movie. What about The Departed? Short, Short nah, tight. Come on, you are you really? Do you not? Do you not agree? I'm just this throwing, is peak Leo hair. I'm just throwing different versions. I what, think what it's about like, The Revenant. No, <laughs> it's certainly up there. With it's, his, it's, with his there's peak so hair. much flow. He's a good looking bloke. Yeah. Let's be let's be honest. Um, so let's then just move on with the story a little bit. So the story then pivots. They get Saito out. Yes. And sorry, they go down to Limbo to save first Killy Murphy and also Saito. Yes. Right. And what they find out while they're down there, it's just Cobb and Ariadne. They have to, Cobb has to come to terms with his guilt. Yes. But he why ha- does he have guilt? And that's what you find out in the scene. And it's really interesting. And this is why I do think he's got a full arc. Please. Is because we find out that we're constantly wondering why, why can't Cobb let go? 
right? Because that's the that's the crux of it. He's compromising everybody's life, this entire mission. And no one seems he, to question it. Be, yeah, that is weird. Other than, well, that's why it's like, why? what is old mate doing? Yeah. Old Joseph Gordon Lovett, if he's not questioning his mate at this yeah. point. But the, the point is- Getting he, paid. Yeah, the, they must be paying him a lot. The uh, He's consistently compromising them because yeah. he can't seem to let go of his wife. He can't move on. He yeah. can't. He can't put, you know, pr- properly, uh, what is the word, mourn her and, and move on. And everyone wonders why we're going. And we find out that it's largely because in the last kind of one of the last 20 minutes of the movie, uh, he reveals that he has in, he has done Inception before yes. and it was on her. And it was when they were stuck in limbo a long time ago experimenting and they couldn't get out because for some reason she had convinced herself. I think the the actual quote is, and I will read it because it's just that good. The exact line Cobb says, she had locked something away, something deep inside her, the truth that she had once known but chose to forgot. And this line refers to reality when they're in limbo. And he has basically performs Inception and in using her totem, which we haven't even talked about totems. We'll get there. Uh, he changes her totem to be spinning constantly instead of falling and that is for her symbolizes okay that's not I'm reality in a dream. Yeah. i'm in a dream because totems are there to help you realize whether something's in reality or not and so he incepts the idea that she's in a dream to get them out of limbo and convince her to kill themselves so they can go get back to their family and their yeah. life now what he doesn't realize is he's incepted this idea into her brain for all reality and thus, she's she's obsessed with the idea that she has to kill herself to get back to their real life and their real kids. And in tragic fashion, that is something that ends up happening. We see mm. cuts of it throughout the whole movie potentially happening. And then eventually we mm. do see her actually kill herself um, in reality. Question about that. Now, this is one of the, I'm skipping a little bit ahead here. This is one of my minor, minor problems with okay. this. No, 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 it's not. I, I get it. It's great. So the interesting thing is... No, she, I just mean it's like tough to analyze. There's yeah, so much going she, on. she gets herself psychologically checked by three different psychiatrists. And yes. then she said, she tells someone she's fearing for her life. So this is why we find out Cobb can't go back this to the act, States. Because he's, he's wanted for the death of his wife. He's wanted for questioning the death of his wife. However, if you think logistically about that scene, let's look at that scene, right? So what, what happens is the building they are in, they are two walls facing each other. They're probably what, like 10... 15 meters apart mm-hmm. and she's clearly gone out onto the window ledge and walked round a, a rectangle piece and onto the opposing window ledge so they're this 10 15 meters apart mm-hmm. and then she jumps to her death there is no way anyone who's into forensics would see the way she drops and go she fell from the side of the building that Cobb was on no chance i think that was- i'm less concerned about that because she could have reversed jumped who knows he could have been over there who knows no one saw that Cobb was there in that part of the building. Um, I'm less convinced about that. And he, he's not wanted for the murder. He's wanted for the questioning. The, the part that I'm convinced, I, I'm confused on, this is one of the biggest plot holes. Sure. What does Sato just like get people out of murder? Yeah. Well, they, like it's not, it wasn't like the border patrol that was the issue. They still, they, yeah, she's still it's dead. the government who wants him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah wow. Like, yeah. So I think that's a big plot yeah. hole. But uh, I, I take your point. I think one of the tougher parts for me about this is when it says she locked something away. Why? 
Well, good question. Why did she lock away some reality, some the concept that limbo wasn't reality? The thing that would show her that she's not in so, reality. So, like, they left out a trauma that she's running from. Yeah, she and that would have that would have completely fit her character. Would have given her more mm. agency. Would have made her given her an arc. Yeah, even as a dead character, because you then understand why she's running away from something. And I think the thing that Christopher Nolan fucked up. Yeah, he should have. And it's like really pompous of me to say about this great director, but. He should have made it so that one of their kids, they, they went through a shared trauma of losing one of their kids in reality sure. or something like that. And so when she goes into limbo, she doesn't have to live with that trauma anymore. Interesting. She can give into her own mental weakness yeah. and her own ability, inability to move on and hide that from herself by tricking herself that limbo is reality. And that prompts Leo to feel like, no, we have real kids. We are. We, we have one real kid left. At least. We got to be there for that kid and convince her to do the same thing. And I think it ties a nice little bow on their mutual arc. Spicy takes. I love it. I think yeah. that would make way more sense. And yeah. that's, I mean, it's not even that difficult to add in. It's, no, it's like a, an it's extra couple, couple lines couple of dialogue. Scenes, yeah. yeah. So the film effectively then culminates with, they get the, the, the key team get out of limbo. Yep. And then what they do is they, ah, they have successfully incepted into Fisher that there is some other motive for his dad's second will. Yes, which isn't which, just which to fuck with them. It's not like this negative thing. Yeah, it's not a negative. So what they wanted him to do is have the idea himself that perhaps the second will was to convince him to be his own man that's and a, not follow in his Because that's a loving steps. concept, which they think exactly. will stick more for Inception. Than a painful one. Yeah. And the, there's a lovely bit in it where Killian Murphy, and it, it's, it's lovely for Killian Murphy because for him, I think it's like catharsis. He gets to relive his di- his final moments with his dying father, where the father effectively gives him permission to be his own person. Final moments he never actually had. This is all in his mind. And he goes into a safe and there's like a, a little, like a child's windmill in there thing. And he realizes he is incepted that his dad, loved, his him dad loved him all along. He just didn't know how to express it. And yeah. then they, they do the kick, which we've not even talked about, which is just a jolt to wake mm-hmm. you out of the dream. And they all come back out. It's, like, it's great. It's yeah. really nicely done. And they all wake up all back on the airplane that they took off from. And then they just carry on. It's great. It's, it's really nicely done. And the best bit about it is the tension it builds. We're going to talk about music in just a, in just a quick second because that plays a big part in this. But it's so nicely crescendoed. I, I, I really like the end of this film. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great that's not even the end that's the end of the heist but like there's still another questionable ending which, which we'll, we'll get finish to on i think that's yeah, how we'll I, finish i completely agree I what completely do you think agree. of the music before we get there um, look, i think i didn't really realize it how much i liked it until the end i think it ruined me i think it ruined movies the womp <laughs> it didn't it didn't ruin movies. movies but every movie after this tried to do the same thing yeah, for like 10 fair. years but like i did you did you notice like the han zimmer like comp- composition at the end when they had completed the heist like yes. that that like stood out to me as like one of the coolest bits of music in the movie it's like two and a half minutes and straight i think i think for me like m- music's like 99 98% of the time i just don't notice it there's one percent of the time where it's bad, and I go, "Oh, that's bad." Usually, and there's one percent of the time it, yeah. when it's so good, you <laughs> go, "Whoa!" And I think it helps because there's no dialogue in that ending. It's just him walking. You're yeah. like, they're all kind of realizing, "Fuck, we fucking did it. We did it." And they like he's getting through like passport control or custody. Yeah. What end? But like that music was particularly well. Before we get into the tones and themes of the film, then DL, do you want to preface that one final mystery? 
that so we're going to talk about after. You, the, you want you want to talk about it after, and I preface it now. Preface it now, and we'll talk about it. After. Uh, well, we then get to the end of the movie where we see a sequence that we've seen many, many times, or a similar sequence to Cobb's kind of remembered memories of the last time he saw his kids. And we're left with him actually going and seeing them and seeing their faces, which he's refused to do because he promised himself he would only do it for real. In reality. And uh, he goes and hugs them. And right before he does, he spins the totem on the the top, which is the the spinning top, which was Maul's kind of totem and and let her know what reality was and what what it wasn't. And he walks away as it's spinning. And we see him saying hi to his family. And then it Still ends spinning. It ends as it's spinning. Some say it falters it right wobble. at the end. It has a little wobble, which you know could mean anything. Implies yeah. anything. Um, yeah, it could imply that it's going to collapse. Uh, a totem is effectively a way you anchor yourself in reality. It is a thing that only you know its dimensions, its weight, its size, and if you hold it or you have it with you, and whatever is unique about it, you can feel that. That's how you know you're in reality. If how you, you're in a dream or not a dream because you're the one that knows what the totem exactly. is like, so no one could recreate it. Uh, I, I really like that idea that it leaves it on one big mystery or at least unsolved ending because everything nowadays, it has to be leading to like the next thing in the franchise or it has to be a big I think it's a perfect ending. ending. I think it's great. You could have a sequel as well with a perfect ending like that and not address the ending. But it'd be hard to in this movie. I just mean in general. But this is this is a perfect ending. And the question is, what is your interpretation? Of it? Well, I'll tell you my interpretation of the ending is you guys should all go to www.podcastassemble.com <laughs> and check out my blog where I got chat GPT to <laughs> definitively answer what happens at the end of this movie. And you can tell me what you think, dear. I think that uh, the ending to me is a dream. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You ca- it doesn't make sense that he would have the the kids would be doing the exact same thing in the exact same way that they are as the previous memories. But every time I watch this movie, I change my mind. So that's now, it. do you want me to ruin that for you just a with little, your little, little bit? With your little ring theory? It's not. This is so at a convention not long ago. Michael Caine was asked the question, what, he what did he think? And he was told by Chris Nolan that any scene Michael Caine was in was in the real world. Ah, he's load of shit. And that's the end of the load film. Load of shit. I don't believe him. All right, let's talk a little bit then about the tones and themes of the film, film deal. What do you reckon? Well, there's some big ones. Um, well, the nature of reality yeah, in general. Some, some pretty large themes to deal with here. And I would say... This is your forte. This is where you really kick in. Guilt and redemption. And responsibility. Yeah, and responsibility. Uh, I would argue, like, there's definitely, I don't know if it's a theme or a statement. Maybe a theme is a statement. I, I guess usually it is. But that, like, facing your trauma is the only way to kind of move on. Right? Sure. Like facing your Yeah, fears. yeah. Um, reality versus illusion, yeah. obviously. And really kind of what is real? What is illusion? Who defines it? Is it defined by your you as a person and your identity? Um, and identity and self-discovery which is really, I think, poignant for both Cobb and Fisher. Yeah, agreed. So he's, Fisher, this is why I think he does have an arc. He self-discovers. I think he discre- Maybe not, maybe so. It's that he hears what he wants to hear, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Not which is like, he, you, you get to decide, right? And some, you might even be able to say, like, he maybe he would have always done that. Who knows? Did they even need it in Sept? Well, Who knows? You'll never know. But I guess, like, I think that's a theme that's explored both with Cobb and 
and him. And what, you know, what does Cobb live for? Mm. Does he live for the past or does he live for the future? All sorts of stuff like it's, that. It's multi-layered in layers of dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. I think the guilt and responsibility one was the things that really stood out for me. Yeah. And like how you deal with that, how you move on with your life, how, how you take progressive steps, positive steps to deal with something that's maybe affected you in ways that even you don't want to stand up to because and it is a great metaphor yeah. for if you don't how they will wreck with your life right you will get if you don't deal with your trauma holistically Always. and healthily yeah. you'll be on the street and a train will just come by and wreck you like it's a it's like literally <laughs> the most on the nose re- like metaphor but it's really good and in that on that uh, with that take i wanted to talk about some motifs as well please mazes another motif that frequently kind of crops up in this film is the maze and really, I think this motif serves to underscore the idea that characters have to try and navigate their own psyche, mm. their own self-conscious selves, their own kind of trauma, as we've talked about. And that's why you're seeing mazes throughout the entire film, because not only is it like obviously there to help construct the heist, but every single character is kind of navigating something like sure. that in a way. Um, it's just sad they didn't explore that each of the characters own mazes a little bit more. Yeah, it's hard for our movie. Uh, Would you take a four hour cut? I would uh, fucking 100%. <laughs> I actually think you have three characters that probably do that if you fix the mall, the mall thing. I think if you focus... Maybe four if you count Arianda because she... She's the one I would have She almost said. leaves and then comes back because she's like, no, I can't. I, I think she was the one I would have wanted to see more of. 100%. No, but I'm saying like, if, like, I think that she still even has a little bit of like, she deals with like, how do I, how, how do I deal with the fact that I like this, this drug of a, of a feeling of creativeness, but I'm also dealing with this guy who's kind of fucking us all over. He's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, another motif mirrors a lot of like yeah. looking and you see them all over the place and it's like your own self examination. Yeah, yeah. Cobb. Um, water, which is like what's under the surface of your consciousness. What's under the surface of your facade. What is your subconscious? He's really enjoying this guys. Yes. Um, <laughs> metaphors, metaphors. You got one for me? No, I think that's fantastic. You've literally, said everything that happens in this movie <laughs> well look what we like to know is we like to do a thing where we talk about the three best and three worst parts of this movie usually if we were doing a new thing we would talk about non-spoilers because we like to give you three reasons why you might want to watch it non-spoiler and two reasons why you might not want to watch it which is non-spoiler but dl what for this movie we've spoiled the shit out of are your three best and three worst uh leo's hair oh yeah beautiful gotta be up there way up there beautiful thing um the originality of the script. I mean, there's nothing else like it. Agreed. Right? And like how well, it's like the perfect action movie. The script is perfect. In and a heist movie. And it perfectly enhances the action because of how well the script is architected. Like the dip, not the, the if plot. You can, yeah, yeah. The plot, yeah. I should say. Agreed. I, I like the practical effects. Yeah. The practical effects are just insane. That was my third as well. Yeah, okay. Well, good we looped over each other there. The interconnected nature of the multiple layers, it's its a huge part of it, but it's really interestingly done how, like, the top layer, it, it affects all the way down. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's mind-blowing the way Chris Nolan's mind works <laughs> to ha- think about how all these things can uh, help each area. And I think Marl was my third favorite one. Like, of, of this movie, for someone who's so complex... And is a reflection of uh, Cobb's own guilt. There's a really beautiful bit at the end where he's where he's letting go 
of this version of her that is in his mind. And he says like, that, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And he sort of says like, you're, you're not my, you're not my wife. No She's how dead. Good I can you're, be, yeah. you're a, you're a reflection of what I remember of my wife, which yeah. is nowhere near as good as she could possibly ever be. Yeah. And the way she, way Mal reacts. Yeah. Shanks him. The Stabby, whole, stabby. Stabby Stabby, your favorite thing. But that whole performance and that whole character is just amazing. Agreed. Worst? Uh, I decided I'm not doing that. <laughs> the ending is ambiguous. So yeah. you're getting three more good ones. Yeah. Um, and I got to say the cast is phenomenal alongside. Um, so rather than our usual three best, three worst, you just did three best and I three best. Six best. Okay. All right. The terrible. And the the ele- to newest listeners, we're better than this normally. The, the, I love. He's fanboy. I love the allegory of Cobb as he goes more down in the depths of the dream sequence. He faces his deepest, darkest traumas. Sure. On. It's like, it's just like so Dante's Inferno. Well, like I, it's fucking good. I'll give you some worse then just to counteract you a little bit, make people think that there's it's one not bad thing. Old. The mod backstory needs work. That's it. No, I'd say there's more than that. I'd say, uh, you know, I called out at the very top there. It's, I'm going to say it again. It's convoluted. Like if you watch this the first time, Mah, my wrong answer. Don't say, say what you want. Like I, I, the way I look at this, right. Is my brother, like, you know, my brother, he's got a two year old, He's a teacher. He has zero time. If he watched, for example, he li- I know he likes this movie. This is just a hypothetical, but he doesn't have time. He's reaching. He doesn't have time to He's sit reaching. and watch a movie four times like you do. He can't watch it every weekend like you do. He's reaching. I'm not at all. You it's- just said it's hypothetical. You're in dreamland right now. I think if yeah. you don't, let's say hypothetically, you don't like it the first time. Like Gail didn't like it. Well, exactly. People don't like it. It's fine. She's she's not going to rewatch it. Doesn't mean it's bad. People don't like like everything has fans. And what I'm fans. what I'm saying is there's a, another side to it other than your fanboying and going all over. She this. didn't even finish it once. Well, that's they, <laughs> every time she tries to go. watch this movie, she gets halfway through. She's like, "There's too much action. It's too confusing." You've just a b tested it for me. Thank you so yeah. much. The second one for me is the exposition. It gets a little bit grating after a while like there i feel i feel like J- joseph gordon levitt's character is <laughs> there he is the narrator just to he's narrate. actually the narrator. i'm like i don't all right cool and there's every other five minutes leonardo DiCaprio is like he, he either says i don't understand or you don't you won't understand and i'm like all right well i guess i won't understand then. i don't think he says that he says it what i lot. will say is he i do think lot. he jordan you're right about jordan lovett you or whatever the fuck it says. <laughs> jordan gordon jordan uh he is just like there to one line and it's and it, the one thing yeah. i'll say is it's like and you have to let like it's impossible to do it without doing this so like you gotta give him you gotta concede that but he's always explaining shit while they're on the mission yeah it's like yo you had like yeah. an hour of yeah. in, in-game training time yeah, <laughs> like, yeah get that shit out like why are you explaining this to her yeah, now it's just coming out of this moment all right final one then is uh i just think tom hardy should have had a bigger role in this I thought that, but then I realized, and I have one of my notes. He actually has a big role. He actually in this. is in it yeah. a lot. I was yeah. like, dude, Tom Hardy's like more lines. Then yeah, more lines would be helpful. He's just killing a lot of people. Yeah. He just I goes have, on a mux. Tom too. Hardy is the MVP. Like he is leaderboard high on COD right He's now. Pretty good. On he this. is Halo supreme yeah. leader, extreme in the multiplayer matchmaking. He's pretty good. And Cobb sucks. Cobb oh, had can't one shoot job. Yeah. And he fuck. He base. He totally chokes. Yeah. Kill your wife in the third layer. Can't Pull the it. trick. Can't do it. Yeah. All right, then. So what we do now is we don't have a racing system here at Podcast Assemble. What we do is 
we talk about if this movie is better or worse than the most average movie we can think of. We don't say this is five stars out of five. We don't say this is one layer out of three. We just ask the question, DL, is this movie better or worse than 2018's Aquaman? I think I know yours is going to be. So I'll tell you mine. This is memory. <laughs> it's a wild. They don't remember shit. Like, I don't remember that damn movie. Why are you even ask me this question? It's fucking stupid. <laughs> Look, it's obviously visceral reaction based based on your love for this movie. It's pretty obvious, but I I would say myself, I think I definitely think it's better than Aquaman 2018. I think the action's more impressive. There's less layers of CGI for the sake of CGI. What is CGI in this movie? I think it's more layered on. It's more it's more used limbo. Maybe it's more used to improve things rather than being the background. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's a better movie than 2018's Aquaman, of course it is. Let's finish up then, DL. Do you want to finish with a couple of theories before we do true or false trivia? Yeah, let's do it. Hit me with your best theory. Mm. I like this, this one. Movie. It's not the best one, but I like it. It's not really a theory either. The entire movie is an allegory for filmmaking. Yes. Big fan of this. Which is like totally true. Yeah. For sure. Like, and, and you that can was tell one that- of my true or false trivia, so good. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I would also, I also like this one though. I'm yeah. gonna, you get a bonus runner up. The characters represent different parts of Cobb's mind. They're all his perceptions. That was that was one I thought of when I was watching a movie. Was That's it really? so weird? Yeah. Okay. What's yours? No, Is that actually it? That literally Another that was one? that was a thing I was thinking while I was watching a movie. It's uh, so okay. interesting. Like, are it, they different elements of his psyche? Like yeah, while this he's... is just him descending into madness. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like, honestly. No, I think that it, that is like you could. He keeps it adequately vague for this kind of fun stuff. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think my favorite one, my favorite random theory about this film is the totems, right? So we talked about what the totems are. Now, interestingly, you are supposed to have your own unique totem. But Cobb, he uses Marl's. He uses someone else's. And there is a theory that in the film, Cobb, when he is awake, is wearing his wedding ring. But when he is not awake, he does not have it on. Hmm. So in all the different layers, there's no wedding ring. And then at certain ones, he's got his ring on. So when? Well, that's the question. Is, does he have it on in the final scene? And yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I like that as a... As I tried a, to like see and I don't think I could. Can't see it. Maybe that's part of the ambiguity. Yeah. He, he would probably be wearing it when she commits suicide. More than likely. Yeah. You would assume. The, uh, if, he fin- wasn't, if he wasn't though, or you couldn't tell, that would be fascinating. It would be. All right, I'll give you my last one. Leo is obviously dreaming because his wife is 35 so the whole thing's a dream anyway we're gonna do that joke many years to come okay final yeah. idea let's wrap this up do you want some final bits of travel trivia yes, yes let's do it let's do it what we do now is i ask dre some trivia that i found usually on imdb and he has to guess whether <laughs> it's true or if it's false true or false deal chris nolan has said that the snow-based third level is in fact inspired by a Jason Bourne movie. True. Oh, it's actually false. It's inspired by his favorite James Bond movie on a Majesty's Secret Service. You know mm. the bit where Bond skis off the side of the cliff? Oh, and he's duh, that's the... so obvious. How did I fuck that so one? So obvious. <laughs> I, I thought I was throwing you an easy one there to yeah, start you I, off. I just, I just like, was like, was that even out yet? <laughs> and I was like, sure. Yeah. All right, a couple more very quickly. Despite prominent billing, Sir Michael Caine only had about three minutes of screen time in the whole film. True or is that false? He's there in the classroom. He's not even on the phone. Yeah, I think it's true. It is true. Three minutes of screen time. That's insane. Yeah. To be fair, like he's not very mobile these days. <laughs> even 2010, it's a bit 
bit wonky to have him doing yeah. a lot of stuff. Two very quick ones then before we wrap up. This was the last movie shot on film to win an Academy Award for Best Cinematography until 2016. Like film, film. Not digital. As in film, not yeah. digital. Got it. Uh, true? It is true. And the next one was La La Land in 2016. Interesting. interesting. Which is, I, I find that fascinating. So many filmmakers using digital these days. Finally then, James Franco was in talks. <laughs> what? Bye. Was in talk with writer and producer Chris Nolan to play none oh. other than God. I need to check the character's name to, to play none other than Eames in this movie. Oh, Hardy's that's, better. That's a Tom Hardy character. Hardy's better because he's also a juxtaposition to Joseph Gordon. Fucking idiot. Is that true or is that false? Uh, it's true. It's not. He was actually in talks to play Arthur, who's Joseph Gordon Levitt's character. Oh. But couldn't because of scheduling conflict. That actually, he could play that. Yeah, with, with Hardy, I think so good. too. Last, last thing then before we before we wrap up, DL. Let's rank the Chris Nolan movies. This is our final part of the anthology that we do every time we do one of these. We have talked about Inception. We have talked about Tenet. We've talked about The Prestige. We have talked about Dunkirk, Interstellar, and Memento. That is six movies. Okay. Which is your favorite? Obviously, this is your favorite. It is. In yeah. fact, you know what? Let's just do what you said last time. Matt, roll the tapes back. <laughs> I I do. Do you remember what you said? Uh, I, I wonder if I'll get it right again. I've I, I've since rethought about it and I've reshuffled them. Okay. So I'm going to go. I'm pretty sure I said Inception, um, the one with the magicians, Prestige, uh, Prestige uh, Memento, Interstellar, and I forget. Dunkirk and Tenet. Ooh. Dunkirk's good. I think Dunkirk's above Interstellar. Yeah. Dunkirk, Interstellar, yeah. Tenet. I've gone Inception. I've gone Memento. I've gone Dunkirk, Interstellar, Prestige, and Tenet. And I would only put Prestige that far down because I didn't love it the first time I saw it, whereas the other ones I had very positive glowing reactions to, whereas Prestige had to grow on me over time. Like, I love it. Great film. Uh, way better than Tenet. <laughs> you could put... You could put uh... Uh, Memento above it as well. Like, Memento I, I is think, my second favorite. Yeah, I think that that, that that is fair, but it's it's more of a novelty film. I think in a lot of ways. I think it's just a director finding his roots. Yeah, I, I just there's more character stuff in in I think in Prestige. Which sure. Is, okay. I All right. Well, DL then. Let's wrap this show up. Do you want Kubert's correspondence? You know I do. Guys, we love it when you you messages. We love it when you send us stuff. Thank you so much to all the friends of the show. We really appreciate it. You can hit us up at Podcast Assemble on Instagram or thepodcastassemble at gmail.com or just go to the www.podcastassemble.com where you can find all of our details and just contact us there anyway. We have got a couple of fun bits of correspondence this week. So first and foremost, friend of the show, Joe, he messaged in and said, DL, he agrees with you. He sent in there's a final, 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 final Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer that's been released. I haven't watched it. He sent it to us and said, this is a big deal. He says he thinks that this movie could make or break the MCU. For sure. Do but you agree not, with that? It's not going to be bad. There's no way this movie's I bad. I don't think so either. But this movie's going to be good. I actually don't. What I will say is it's, a, it's, it's important, but did I say that it's going to make or break the MCU? If I did, I disagree with myself. Because I think that... <laughs> Because think, the rule of yes in podcasting, DL breaks it with himself. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that it, it's going to be good, and I think that actually doesn't matter because Gun is done with the MCU. Gun is and done. What matters is because can Feige continue to be good? Does that make sense? 
can he can he hold the fort? Yeah, down can he can he make Jimmy? another good movie? Good point. Yeah. Well, final then, final yeah. piece of correspondence we got from friend of the show, Captain Danger. Love it. Thank you, Captain Danger. We really appreciate it. He actually takes that a step further mm. and says, "If Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is crap, he's out of the whole thing. No more MCU for Captain Danger." I think that's a bit strong. I think it's going to take a little bit more than that. To... I agree. I'm out if it's bad. No, you're not. You will definitely watch Secret I'm, Invasion. I'm out if it's bad, but because I know it's not going to be You'll bad. You'll watch it for the podcast. Thank you, everyone. We really appreciate when you hit us up. DL, wrap the 100th episode up. Fuck, it was a long one, boys. Um, the pass and girls. The passing of the pod. Oh, yes. Pass it on. Hey, guys, if you liked what you're hearing, pass it on to some friends. If you finished that. If you got this far. Dream state of an episode. Give us a five-star review. Thank you to friend of the show, Mr. Matthew Bliss of Blissery.fm for editing this episode. Yeah, good luck. If you are a budding <laughs> podcaster, <laughs> thank you for hiring a podcast engineer to edit your podcast. Look no further than this episode, which needed a lot of editing and Mr. Matthew Bliss. Let him know at email by, uh, or at, by email <laughs> at info at Blissery.fm or we'll visit right blissery.fm for more information about Matt and his podcasting services god I'm struggling through this one you can also listen to his video game news podcast the dead drop fucking 10 minute episodes twice a week thank you Tommy thank you DL and until next time here's till another hundred yeah we'll we'll see you on the last we'll hopefully see you next week but not well we'll see you I was gonna say we'll see you the next time (laughs) (laughs) that's a bad thing to say uh yeah tally ho tally ho haters caters